see the blood. I will pass, I will pass over you. Oh, great compassion, oh, boundless love, oh, loving kindness, faithful and true. Find peace and shelter under the blood, and I will pass, will pass over you. turn over to number 50. Number 50. Number 50. We'll sing the first and the last stanza there. Would you be freed from your burden of sin? There's power in the blood. Power in the blood. Would you or evil a victory win? There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power of the Lamb. Would you do service for Jesus, your King? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Would you live daily His praises to sing? There's wonderful power hands with someone around you there. Tell them it's good to see you this morning. Good morning. Welcome to Central Baptist Church Sunday School Hour. Looking forward to um, having a great day in the Lord House today. Uh, this week we have the Senior Adult Breakfast this, this next Thursday, so make sure you're um, in places there. I heard the ladies' uh, fellowship on last Thursday was delicious. Had a good time of fellowship. 
Uh, we, uh, if you would please, um, do we have any uh, birthdays this week? Any birthdays this week? Oh. be in prayer for uh, Don Dowdy. Uh, he's at home with home health care, um, seeking out a specialist, so um, pr pray for him and direction for him. Continue to pray for Brother King um, as he's in rehab, and um, for many others that are ill and not able to be here today. Pray that they will be able to get well and um, be back here. Uh, Brother Mike, would you open a, our prayer of our offering, please, sir? All right, amen. Good morning. Welcome to Sunday School. I, sound, I feel the excitement. Everybody awake? I don't know. I might have just hit something I wasn't supposed to. I apologize. That little sound uh, tablet was here. All right, we're in Galatians chapter 5 this morning. Galatians chapter 5 once again. And we will... I, I don't plan to finish it, actually, this morning. Uh, we should get down to uh, verse 25. Sorry. I'm... 
think that I'd just be able to open my Bible and it would fall right to Galatians, but it did not. All right. All right, so uh, we'll just uh, briefly, I, I do have a lot of material this morning. I hope this will be a blessing to all of us. Um, of course, we're talking about the churches in Galatia, and this was the epistle written uh, by the Apostle Paul. Um, he's gone through um, and, and demonstrated his authority to, as an apostle, his authority to preach the gospel. We've all been over this. I, I recap every week, so I think we're probably all on the same page there. Um, and then he goes into teaching, and he, he kind of re, he exhorts them and rebukes them a little bit, and then he'll go back to teaching some more about this, this matter of uh, n- the fact that we're saved by faith alone, by grace through faith, uh, not of yourselves, not, uh, it's not of any works. And, and uh, the Galatians had, of course, committed this uh, error of being removed to a false doctrine where they were using works of the law as a means of justification and salvation, and they're preaching this false gospel, and so it's a, a danger to... Uh, the, the growing of, the, of a, a truly regenerate uh, church membership, of course, and, and, and it's also just the fact that it's anything against the gospel needs to be dealt with. Um, and it, So we get into uh, chapters 5 and 6, and that's kind of where we are, is the, the application portion of it. And uh, th- these are the things to really get excited about. We've, we've got all the learning, and, we, and we're pretty grounded, and, and not that we weren't before, but I think we, we have a definite understanding of uh, the fact that it's by faith alone and, and just believing on the finished work of Christ. And so um, we, we had dealt with in, in chapter 5 the, that the matter of standing fast in that, that gospel that they were originally taught and, and believed and then uh, the, the, to, they, they, had, uh, they did run well. And so we talked about running well and how the, this uh, attitude of, uh, of running the, the race of the Christian life, the, that the attitude that we're supposed to be running with is the uh, reaching for that that prize, which is you know, and and just extending your reach beyond, um, and always having you know eternity in mind, um, something that we can't necessarily see. We understand by faith that that it, it waits for us, and so we're we're pushing for that that uh, that prize in, of, of eternity. Eternity, um, and then we we start getting into uh, the walk, and and this is this is the daily practical application of everything. We're, you know, the apostle here by the Holy Spirit is just putting everything together, um, and we're, we're now talking and getting into the walk, and, and uh, we're, we're going to start um, in verse 19. I, I think I told somebody 18 earlier, but we're going to start in verse 19 and go through tw- verse 25, and we're going to leave 26 hanging out there because um, it, it ties a little better into uh, the, the thought of chapter si- that chapter 6 leads off with, so... That's the reason for that, but let me read 19 through 25. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day, for your many blessings to us. We thank you for uh, your goodness and grace and mercy. We thank you for 
uh, your precious son who died in our place on the cross at Calvary. We ask that you'd put your uh, special hand of blessing upon the Dowdy family now as uh, they're, they're dealing with health issues there with the heart, heart attacks and different things. And of course, our pastor, Lord, give him grace and comfort him. I ask that if he's able to preach this morning, that you just help him and, and give him grace and power, uh, help him to have energy and strength and uh, we love you, Lord. We ask that you be honored and glorified. Help me as I teach now, Lord. I pray that you help our hearts and minds to be tender to your word. And we love you and praise you and thank you for everything you'll do in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so uh, we're looking here at 19 through 25, and, and the, the Galatians have been instructed to stand fast, as we talked about. And so uh, he, he says you did run well, and so we're actually kind of course correcting here. There's, we're, we're moving over. And, and getting back in the right lane. You, you're changing your motivation. Uh, you're, you're, you've lost what, what the whole purpose of this was. And uh, we're going to now try to run well. And, and so in, when you have the right, when you, when you stood fast, when you've returned to what you understood and what you believed, and now you start to uh, get your motivation back in, in place, then there should be uh, some things that happen after that. And that's, that's this daily uh, situation that, that we find ourselves in where, um, we have choices to make. There, there's, there's the, and this is the walk. This is the daily uh, actions of the Christian. And so, uh, if we've been moved and we aren't running well, then we can't do the daily things necessary. And 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 we see that again. This is the daily expectation or or fruit, as it calls it in the text here, of the Christian. So we'll, we start with a contrast. I don't know if. Uh, you remember the, the old TVs, you'd have the little knobs on them, and, and there was a contrast knob, and, and what that does is, on the television, especially if you had a black and white TV, we had a little black and white TV when I was a kid, and you start turning those knobs, then the dark lines begin to get much darker, and the bright gets much brighter. That's the contrast. That's the ratio between the two. And so uh, the, the, the purpose of giving these works of the flesh and then the fruit of the Spirit is that... Uh, that, that we're, we need to get the contrast here. We need to understand how different these things are. They're, they're diametrically opposed. We live in a day where uh, there's a, that people want to bring a lot of gray and, and, and muddy the waters, and they don't want you to understand what the actual truth is. They don't want you to, to say, well, you can't do this or you can't do that, or you know, maybe in some circumstances this is okay. They, they want to muddy the waters because it makes it easier uh, to sin. It makes it, it makes it harder to discern what, what a Christian actually is supposed to be doing. And so we start here with this contrast. It's a very sharp contrast. In verse 17, we see uh, it's, it's a lead-in to the thought. If you look back at verse 17 and verse 18, it says, uh, For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. And then 18 says, But if you be led of the spirit, you're not under the law. You're not under the law. So the question is, what does this leading of the Spirit look like, and what does it not look like? Um, and then the Apostle, of course, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, tells us in verse 19, where we started, now the works of the flesh are manifest. Um, now is this continuation, so we understand that he's continuing a thought from, from before, um, is teaching about the flesh and the Spirit being contrary one to another. So he's continuing in that line of thinking, that these things are contrary, um, but the works of the flesh, you can see them. You can see them, and that's being manifest. It means shining, uh, and, and as we said, the contrast. There's the, the bright, bright, and the dark, dark. The, 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 the most def defined, dark, thick, black line, and the most th uh, bright, shining, white line that you can have. And so they're manifest. You can see them. It's, a, it's apparent. It, it's uh, open. It's outward. 
And so, so we can see whatever comes next, is it, and it's not always necessarily uh, manifested in, in um, what those around us can see. Because we know as we go through here, you'll, you'll maybe recall some of the things that Jesus taught to the Pharisees and how a lot of these are matters of the heart. A lot of these things that we're dealing with internally, um, and we'll get into some of that, that uh, later on, but uh, the works of the flesh, 19 through 21, which are these, adultery, fornication, I think we understand what those are. Uh, these are immoral sins of a sexual nature within marriage would be adultery. And then outside of, of marriage, if, if uh, for folks that aren't married, of course, uh, would be fornication. And these things can happen in physical life or in your mind. You, you can commit adultery in your heart with someone else if you've lusted after uh, another man or woman. And, and then fornication is the same way, and we see a lot of this with the, the pornography and everything that people get sucked into. This is, though, though you're not committing acts, you know, and, and I, having worked with so many different uh, people over the years, uh, you'd be amazed at the world's mindset on this. And, and, and it's been scientifically proven that, that pornography affects your brain. It, it, it's people that are addicted to pornography, it does very similar things to your brain that, that drugs do. Um, and so fornication is dangerous in the actual act because of all the things that come with that, but also, uh, and, and as a matter of fact, I've, I've seen statistics where these, these young folks that in high school, you know, teenagers, they get uh, involved in sexual immorality and fornication, and the suicide rates for, for kids that are sexually active is through the roof. I mean, it, it doesn't bring the satisfaction that they think it's going to. It actually causes shame and guilt and uh, pornography is no different. It, it, do, it does the same thing. And, it, and a lot of times it causes more problems because people can live a regular life and it seems like there's nothing wrong. Nobody knows what I'm doing. And so th these things can be very, very dangerous. Fornication is wicked. Uh, uncleanness, of course, we can get that. This, uh, these impurities. Um, lasciviousness is, we talked about last week, the, the liberty versus license. It's using liberty as, as a, an occasion to the flesh. Um, it's being filthy. Uh, Idolatry, of course, putting anything before, uh, before God, loving anything before God, witchcraft. And uh, when I bring this up in, in the jail, it's a, it's a big topic. I always get a lot of questions because the Greek word is, is uh, pharmakia, where we get pharmacy. And, and the word actually, it's related to the dead and, and uh, necromancy and things like that uh, historically. But uh, it does, it, it means medicine. It means medicine. It's, it's uh, magic. And, and, you know, if you do a little bit of studying, a lot of these witch doctors and things like that, they're smoking things or they're having people drink different things uh, to elicit um, what they would call a spiritual response. And I've had this conversation as well with the, the other guys uh, on the way to and from the jail in the van that just talking to some of the individuals in the, in the jail, I, if you do drugs one time, you are opening your, your mind up to forces that you do not understand. And that you, you may open a door that you cannot close. And that is scary. I, I mean, some of the things that we hear, uh, some of the things that, that people conceive and people act on and do uh, under the influence of drugs and even alcohol. And alcohol is, it, I mean, it's just as bad. You know, it's legal, but it's just as bad. And... Uh, these, these are, this is wickedness. These, these things are vile, and, and uh, they're under the influence of these, uh, a different spirit. There's a different influence there. And so uh, there's hatred. Hatred. We know what that is. 
a variance. That's uh, quarreling or contention, quarreling or contention. Uh, emulations is jealous envy, uh, being zealous of this, uh, this envious feeling. It's the need or the desire to get adulation or, or uh, you need the pat on the back. I want the credit for this. I want the credit for that. Uh, we can all fall into those things. You, you know, you do something nice, but you, you want the credit for that. I, I want to make sure that I get the credit for this, you know, and you have to pretend that you don't, but you kind of do. Um, that's emulations. Uh, wrath, we know strife, uh, seditions, dissension or division, heresies. We know that that's this false teaching, even in uh, the Galatian churches. Uh, envyings is the, uh, more of an ill will. You're desiring bad things for other people. Um, murders, of course, we know, and you can commit murder in your heart if you hate somebody. You know, a lot of these are heart things. You, you would never maybe actually kill somebody, but if you hate somebody, if you have excessive bitterness towards someone where you, where you would wish them harm, or, you, you know, you, you, there's all kinds of ways to, to, to think this way, but it's, it's murderous. It's murderous thinking. It's wicked. And, of course, drunkenness, and I got into the, a lot of the verses about drinking last week, and, and, and being drunk, it could be with alcohol, it could be under the influence of drugs. Uh, these things are, uh, they, they can destroy your life. And, and alcohol is, is a big one because it's legal. Folks think that it's not that big a deal, and, and it is a big deal. It causes a lot of problems. It's wicked. And it can cause shipwreck in your life. It can destroy your family. Uh, my, my granddad grew up in downtown Kansas City. Uh, his parents, before the, uh, the Great Depression, they were, they were fairly well off. They, they weren't rich. They were middle class. Uh, my my great-grandfather... I have a picture of him. He, he was in sports. He played basketball. Uh, he, he was, a, from what my granddad told us, he was a remarkable piano player, great musician, and he, and he would play, and, and I don't know that they were involved in church, but when the Great Depression hit, they lost everything, and, and him and my great-grandmother turned to alcohol, uh, which ended up in divorce. He died early at a very young age, and, and then he ended up playing uh, the piano in bars, you know, and, and to get alcohol and uh, it ruined their lives. My my granddad and his brother ended up in an orphanage and uh, in a in a in a home for boys and where they had nuns beating them and all kinds of stuff. So it destroys families. I'm very familiar uh, intimately, and I'm sure you are too. You probably know the stories. You may have had experiences. Alcohol is not better than anything else. It's still a drug. It's still uh, it's still wicked, and and uh, we we have to stand against it. Uh, revelings is carousing, letting loose, and a lot of times drunkenness leads into this. Uh, there's, you know, and, and I think we can get the idea. You see folks driving through your neighborhood, yelling out the windows, you know, being loud and boisterous and everything like that. Um, and, and then it says, and such like. So anything that falls into these categories, and you can say, well, it only says uh, these things are, are, are the ones that will, you know, not get you to where you don't inherit the kingdom of God, but it says, and such like. So that we understand Everything that branches off of any of these is the works of the flesh. We can, we can get that. And so the emphasis here is on the old nature. Uh, we still have this body of flesh until the redemption of our bodies uh, where we'll be glorified. And we see this in, in verse 24. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. And so there's a change. There's, there's a change in your, in your attitude and, and in your walk. We're talking about the walk and, the, and this fruit. You've crucified the flesh with the affections and the lusts. And, uh, and I would say that the, the lust starts in the mind, and, and the more you give into that lust, uh, you develop an affection for things. When you feed the flesh, 
Uh, it's just like anything else. You feed the flesh, uh, it's just like that, the dog in your neighborhood or the cat. The cats do it really bad. If you feed the cat, it's going to keep coming back. And pretty soon you'll have another cat. And pretty soon you'll have another cat. And there's people feeding a, a multitude of cats sometimes in their neighborhood or even squirrels. I've heard stories about people feeding squirrels and, and they, they get infested with squirrels to where they're starting to tear the shingles off their roof and stuff like that. So sin is the same way, or the flesh is the same way. When we, when we feed the flesh, when we continually uh, indulge these, uh, these lusts, then it turns to affection. It turns to something that you're tied to. And, and before you know it, you're overwhelmed with, with these sins and wickedness. We're supposed to uh, crucify the flesh with the affections and the lusts thereof. And so uh, you, you might say, uh, well, it, looking in this, it, it says the, the emphasis here on the old nature, do here means to practice or perform repeatedly or habitually. So it's, cl- it's clear that anyone that does these things as a lifestyle uh, or habitually, they, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. They're not saved. These aren't saved people that, that live this lifestyle, that do these things. And so you might ask, why is he telling saved people about this? Why would he write this to saved people in, in Galatia that he's expecting this course correction from? Uh, it's, it's because that once we're converted, we have two parts. We've talked about this before, and, and we all know this, but we have the flesh and the spirit. Uh, there's two parts here. Verse 17, sa- again, uh, says the, fl- the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. So we're continually in a battle, being pulled back and forth into these works of the flesh. We're, we're, we're constantly being tugged by one side or the other. And those affections that we just talked about, you give the flesh more power when you feed the flesh. It can overwhelm uh, your, the things that you would do, the, those desires that, that, you, that you're a new man, your new creature, the new nature really wants to do. And so we, we have the works of the flesh, and then we see the other element in the contrast, and that's the fruit of the Spirit. And I, I think it's helpful to memorize this, uh, and, and it's, I like lists, and I've told you that before, but this is a good list to memorize. And I'll give you another one at the end um, that's a good list to memorize in Philippians chapter 4. But um, th- it's, it's helpful because you can, you can pray for these things to be manifest in your life. You can pray for the, to, to have the fruit of the Spirit. You can ask the Lord uh, to give you these things, and I believe he, he can show you how to do that. And, 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 of course, in doing that, you're acknowledging that you need the Holy Ghost to, to be the controlling influence in your life. And so in 22 and 23, of course, uh, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. Uh, and when you think of love, um, I, was, I was told uh, a preacher a long time ago, I heard say, when you think of love in the Bible, uh, think of John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave, he gave. It's a, this is a giving love. God gave the most precious thing you could ever give, his only begotten son. And so uh, this type of love that, that we have by the Spirit is a giving, sacrificial love. It, it's, it's a giving love. And joy is, is a calm delight. This isn't just being crazy, you know, this is, this is a calm delight. This is a confidence in joy. And, and it's a calm uh, of the spirit. The peace is, is, uh, peace is, is the best way to describe peace is it's the opposite of worry. We all worry, right? We, we, there's something going on all the time. There's always a concern to be had. There's always something that might happen tomorrow. There's, there's these what-ifs in life. Um, and if you're worrying and concern, concerned with those things, then that's not peace. Peace is the opposite of that. Peace is, peace is resting in understanding that God is in control. The long-suffering, uh, that's patience, of course, and gentleness is uh, kindness to others. Uh, and goodness is uh, being ready to do good, 
being, being ready to do good, having a, a mindset where you want to do good. Faith, uh, it's more related not to how much faith we have or what kind of faith we have, but being faithful. Uh, and, and the Bible says, who can find a faithful man? And, and, and says that it's in, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Um, and, and so we, we, we want to, to have that faith and, and be faithful to the things of God. Um, meekness, of course, is humility. Uh, and Jesus was very meek. And he was ultra-powerful. He had, he had access uh, to all the power in the universe. You know, he was, he was at creation. He's an eternal being uh, that was manifest in the flesh. He's the God-man. He had all power, but he, but he was humble. And, and he, he didn't use that as he could have, his humility. Temperance, of course, is moderation in all things, and that goes ties right in. It's the opposite of drunkenness and of these other things, these revelings and, and the riotousness and, all, and licentiousness. We're to be temperate and moderate in all things. We're not to give ourselves over to any, uh, any of this wickedness. And so, so there's some things about fruit, though. Uh, the only thing you can do to get a tree is... is we plant the seed and we water the soil and, and uh, plants in the garden and Christians grow because of the working of God. He gives the light. He gives the life. First uh, Corinthians three, six says, I have planted Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So it's God. Scientists don't really understand what happens. You know, uh, I've seen the, the uh, pictures of the embryos when they, when they're fertilized and there's a light there's a light that ha- I mean, you can see it. It's visible light. They can't explain that. They don't, they don't understand that. This is something that God does. God gives life. God gives life. And so the fruit is the same way. It's, it's the working of God. And all we can do is water it and not block the sunshine from getting to it. Uh, everything else is, is a work of God. And so those who abide in Christ, they bear fruit. Um, John 15, 5, Jesus tells them, uh, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. And so this isn't a situation where when, you, when you're in Christ, when you're abiding in Christ, when you're a fruitful Christian, this isn't something where, uh, you know, anybody that's had any type of fruit trees or anything like that, you're, you're trying to dig through the branches to see where this little thing's blooming out. It, did I get one this, this week or whatever you're, you're digging through? It says much fruit. This is something that's obvious and apparent. It's something that's tangible that you can that you understand as a Christian, that you, you, can, you can see that I, I'm abiding in Christ, I'm walking in the Spirit, I have the fruit of the Spirit, praise God. And it's not something that you did, it's not something that you've earned because of your merit, it's purely because of the grace of God and your submission to His control. So, so the tree, again, uh, another thing about the trees is that they don't bear different types of fruit. Apple trees don't grow oranges, grapevines don't grow watermelons, uh, everything is after its kind. And so Christians bring forth the fruit of the Spirit. That's singular. It says fruit, not, not fruits. It's fruit. Uh, and, and that means that this fruit is distinct. It's just like an orange uh, has a very specific uh, composition. If, if there's something missing, it's not going to be an orange. If it's different, if it's red, it, you know, unless I know some oranges look red, but let's say it doesn't have a peel. If, it was, if you pulled something off of an orange tree and it had a peel like an apple, that would be odd. That doesn't happen. That's not natural. And so it has specific properties, and, and here they are. Again, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. If it has all the elements, so you could have everything, but if you're missing love, then you don't have the fruit of the Spirit. If you have 
everything but, you, but you're worrying and, and you're, you're, you have striving and you, you're not sure about things, then you don't have the fruit of the Spirit. It's not the fruit of the Spirit because you're worrying. You don't have peace. If you have all these things but you're prideful and puffed up, uh, you can love, you can do all these other things, though you could argue that if you truly love, then you wouldn't be puffed up. But let's just say you have everything else, but you don't have, but you don't have humility. If you don't have meekness, you don't have the fruit of the Spirit. It's, it's counterfeit. That's not the fruit of the Spirit. It's all in one. And so, so what's this all boiling down to? Why is this important information? I'm going to have to hurry. Uh, the Galatians, they were moved to this false doctrine, as we talked about. And, and that can cause problems. That can cause problems. And Satan uses things to get into the churches, to get into our individual lives. And he wants to cause shipwreck in your life. He wants you to, to be weak and powerless. He wants the church to be weak and powerless. And so there's a couple of ways, and there's many ways, but there's a couple of ways that, that we'll deal with here that he can do that. One, and we've talked about this a little bit before, is that he can introduce a false gospel to transition the church to an unregenerate majority that continues preaching a false gospel and they're bringing in false converts, making false disciples with a false gospel. That's one way. Another way is that he can cause those who are truly born again to fall into some kind of sin or false doctrine. And think of all those works of the flesh. And you don't have to do all of them, but you get caught up in one and Satan can use that as a foothold in your life. And Pastor preached a great uh, message last Sunday night about strongholds. And it ties into the same thing. If you give him place, if you give him position, uh, then he, you are, you're going to be at, at the mercy of Satan in a sense. That causes you to doubt. That can cause doubt of one's salvation. It causes people to doubt salvation. When, you, when folks get deep into sin and they feel like that's all there is in their life and they're constantly, they can't seem to get out of it, uh, it causes people to doubt their salvation. Did I really get saved? And so they become ineffective and unable to reach people because they're so consumed with this, this back and forth, this, uh, this, this lack of understanding of whether they're saved or not. So in verse 25, it says, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. We see, we see in this teaching two important things that over, to overcome these attacks. Uh, first is that assurance of salvation is vital. So assurance of salvation is absolutely vital. Um, and, and I hope that I can help you here. If you're having uh, issues with that, I hope this is a blessing because uh, it's real. It's real. People, people do doubt. And, and I'm not saying that if you doubt, it's because you're in sin. But I think that uh, either way, whether you're in sin, whether you're not, and you're just doubting, I think this can, this can be a blessing and a help to you. So assurance of salvation is vital. So we all, we all know people, we've known of situations, maybe we've been in these situations where you're, you're stuck in sin, uh, you, you're, doing these, you're involved in these works of the flesh, or the person you know is involved in these works of the flesh, and, and the next thing you know, they're, they're out of church, they're out, they're out of fellowship with God, you know, completely, and uh, they're, they're not even living a Christian life anymore in, in any sense that, that's perceivable. But Paul, by the Holy Spirit, says that if we live in the Spirit, uh, if is the key word here. It, if means that you can know. You can know. The verse says, if we live in the Spirit. So you can know. Uh, and you should be in a place where you have zero doubt. Every, every productive Christian, if you're going to bear fruit, you have to be sure that you're saved. You have to have assurance. And so how can we know? That's the question. So one vital element is persuasion. Uh, so what have you believed and in whom have you believed? Uh, 2 Timothy 1.12 says, For the which cause I also suffer these things, nevertheless I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. 
So we must know the whom. Who did you believe? Who did you believe? And, and of course, that should be Jesus Christ. Romans 10, 9 says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart, God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. So believing on the Jesus Christ. You see, the world hates Jesus. And so they're fine with a corrupted Jesus that is not really Jesus. They're fine with people believing in a false Christ. A lot of people will call him Jesus Christ and claim that, 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 he, that he is their savior, and they have believed on a false Christ. They believed on something else. There's a manufactured uh, Jesus Christ out there, and, it's, and people can be deceived thereby. And so did you receive Christ for who he is? That's important. You had to receive Jesus in the Bible. You had to receive Jesus in the Bible. So we talked about the rich young ruler before. Um, and Jesus asked him uh, to, you know, have you followed all these commandments? He says, yes. And he says, you lack one thing, sell everything uh, and, and, and come and follow me. And, and the young man went away sorrowful. Why? Well, if you go to the beginning of that, Jesus, he, he says, good master. He calls Jesus good master. Jesus says, uh, why thou callest me good? There's none good but God. Well, if you believe I'm God, then sell everything and follow me. You see, Jesus is God. Jesus, Jesus is Lord. If, if, if you don't believe on that Jesus, then you didn't get the real Christ. You didn't get Jesus. You have to know that you believed on the, the Jesus of the Bible. Is it the, the only begotten Son of God, the virgin-born only begotten Son that, that shed his blood for your sins? Are your sins washed away by his blood? The, the God-man who died on the cross and was raised for your justification the third day, See, this, the world doesn't like this Jesus, and they're, they're trying to pull the blood out of hymns. They're trying to, they, they, there's not a lot of places that preach on the blood. Uh, they, they want it removed. You won't hear about it on television, but it's vital. It's vital, and it's because the world hates it. Satan hates it. So Paul was persuaded, and what did he mean by that? It, it means that he knew the love of God. Are you, do you know the love of God? Are you persuaded of the love of God? Romans 8 38 and 39, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He's able to keep that which we commit to him. That's our souls unto salvation. When doubt creeps in, it's usually doubt in ourselves. You could say, did did I repent enough? Did, Did I have enough faith? Did I do the right things? And the fact of the matter is the working of God. It's the working of the Holy Spirit in your life. It's, it's, it's by grace through faith, not of works that you've done. H.A. Uh, Ironside is one of my favorite commentaries. I, I quote him a lot. But he, he wrote a book called Full Assurance. And in there he gives a great description that, that is, I've passed on to many people and, and I believe it's helpful. And he talks about uh, the Passover, the first Passover uh, where the Israelites were going to be delivered out of Egypt. And the, the, he says, imagine that, that you were a Hebrew boy and you were very concerned, you were very worried that night, that night of the Passover, that this, this angel of death was going to come through and you're the oldest and you know that and, and you're very concerned. But, but guess what? You, you are behind the doorpost where the blood was applied. You're, you're, you're under the blood. So it doesn't matter how much you worry. It doesn't matter how much you think about it or you mull over the what-ifs or the, the conclusions that you might come to. It's the fact that you're under the blood. Knowing that you're behind that doorpost, knowing that you're behind the, the blood that was uh, shed by that, that lamb of God, you, should, you can be confident in knowing that you're under the blood and nothing's going to happen. That, that, you, that, that Hebrew boy could have all the confidence in the world because he was behind the blood. And it's the same thing with us. Uh, 
we have to understand that when we're under the blood of Christ, that there's nothing that's going to take us. There's nothing that's going to separate us from that love. There's nothing that, that can pull us out of his hand. We're eternally secure because we've applied the blood. So, so one element is persuasion, another element is proof. And we, we don't have a blind faith. God proves himself through our lives every day. And this is where we get into fruit. Paul tells the church at Corinth that to examine themselves and to prove uh, your own selves. And this implies that there's, there could be a general feeling of doubt. And it ties into what we talked about, that these folks, we know Corinth, it was a carnal church. So it would stand to reason that being carnal and being involved in all these works of the flesh as they were, and even celebrating others who were committing fornication and adultery and all kinds of weird stuff, they were celebrating and, and endorsing these things. Uh, it, would, it would stand to reason that, man, once they get corrected to that, once they get that right, they might have some problems. They might need to examine themselves. They might need to, to this, is, this wasn't to say, oh, well, you're not saved, you're not saved. This is to say, to prove to you. It's not looking, me looking at the guy next to me and saying, well, he did this and this and this, so I proved him and he's wrong. It says prove your own selves. And so, so this fruit, this, this idea of uh, examining yourself is that you should be able to look at your own life and, and see that there's fruit. You should be able to see the fruit in your life. And you should gain assurance from that. So how can we get assurance? How can we prove our own selves? And, and a, a lot of times the, the go-to verse is 1 John 5, 13. And, and we know this verse, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. Uh, so the Apostle John there is telling them that you may know. Uh, and, and, and Paul says to prove our own selves um, but it says these things have I written in, in 1 John. So you got to go back and find out what he's written about. How can you know? It says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 3 through 6, And hereby we do know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. He that saith, he abideth in him, ought himself also to walk, even as he walked. Or as Jesus said, if you abide in me, you'll bear much fruit. Right? So, so is this saying, well, uh, this, this is, you know, this looks like the Old Testament. We have to do what? You know, all this. Well, we know the commandments of Christ. It's commanded over and over and over again through the New Testament. Uh, if you're in the Spirit, if you're walking in the Spirit, then you, that's the only way you can ever fulfill these things. It's not in some power of your own. It's not in the arm of flesh that you're doing this. That's counter to what we're talking about. You have to submit. You have to give him control so that you can uh, walk and follow the commandments. And that's Matthew 22, 37 through 40. Jesus said unto them, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So his love is perfected in us, and we love our neighbor as ourselves because we love him. Because we love him, because we know what he did for us. And so, so why the lack of assurance? Why the doubt? And, and it seems pretty simple. It, it goes back to where we ended last week. It's this lack of control. It's this lack of control. It's what, what you're feeding. Are you feeding your flesh? Have you crucified uh, the flesh with the affections and the lusts thereof? Or are you feeding the spirit? So we have to surrender. The second thing here, we, we, the first thing was assurance of salvation. The second thing is to surrender to the Spirit's control. I have to hurry. So we can know that we're in the Spirit. We're not, we're not doubting that. It says if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Uh, this ties into control. Control. And we know that 
we, our spirit and flesh are, are opposed to one another. It says it in our text, and the Apostle Paul says this again in Romans seven fifteen, which we've seen before. That which I do, I allow not. For that I, I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. That's the flesh. So we have to, uh, it's, I've used this analogy before. It's like having a house and, and the Holy Ghost comes in to live, uh, but you shut one of the rooms. You don't want him to go in there. And whatever, whatever that room is for you, usually it's, a, it's something sinful, but it doesn't always have to be. It, it could be that I, I like to do this instead of, you know, what the Lord wants me to do, whatever that may be. If, if I feel like I should be more involved in a certain ministry, um, but I need to watch my, you know, favorite baseball team play on that night, or I've got this going on, then you shut that door to the Holy Ghost, and he doesn't have full control of your life. He, you haven't allowed him into every room of the house. You haven't, you haven't given him that control. That's what we're talking about is, is the submission and understanding that you have to submit everything in your life to the Holy Ghost or you can't have the fruit of the Spirit. It's not going to work out for you. So, so the mind, though, is where this battle is fought. And in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5, and Pastor was here the other night, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, where we casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And so we're in a constant battle, um, and it starts in our mind. I think we get this. In, in Romans uh, 8, 13, 14, For if we live after the flesh, we shall die. But if ye through the Spirit of God do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. We're supposed to be crucifying. As it says in verse 24, crucify the flesh with the lust thereof. So are we walking after this flesh and after this, or after the Spirit? Uh, being led of the Spirit begins and ends with what we're mindful of. And we've been here before. Romans chapter 8, it talks about uh, to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. So which one are you in? Whatever you're in is where your mind's at. And it all starts there. That's where the decisions are made. That's where we, we give uh, time to these thoughts that come in. These, these, these works of the flesh don't just happen. We're not just being drug along by a rope in, into this sin. It, it starts in the mind. And, and that lust is conceived, and lust bringing forth death, and sin, and sin bringing forth death. And so... The carnal mind puts us in the flesh. So how? How do we overcome this? In 2 Corinthians 10, 6, it's, it says, uh, gives us permission to, to get vengeance, to get revenge. That sounds odd. You know, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. But here it tells us we can get revenge. We should have an attitude of revenge. We have to start with an attitude of getting back. And what is that? It's the, this, this outlier verse there in, in what, I, what I read in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 where it talks about um, uh, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Then verse 6 at the bottom of that says, and having in a readiness to revenge, what? All disobedience, when your obedience is, is fulfilled. So the spiritual mind has the attitude of getting vengeance on all disobedience. Uh, not by violence or fighting, obviously, but obeying in those areas where we were once carnal and disobedient. We have to have an attitude of vengeance. Uh, so we, we take this obedient mindset or attitude and purpose ourselves to think on spiritual things. And if you want to turn quickly, I'm, I'm really out of time, but Philippians chapter 4, um, you can mark it and read it and study it out later, but it, it tells us what to think on. It tell, the Bible tells, God tells us what to think on. It's, it's uh, Romans or Philippians 4, 8, 
Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. And, I, and you can study each one of those out. They don't, some of them don't mean exactly what you think they mean, but the point is, is that these true things, all these things can be linked to Scripture. And, and we see the, that fruit comes from meditating on these things, from loving the Word of God. If you get anything out of this, it's that develop a love for the Word of God because that'll help you tremendously. Develop a love for the Word of God. Psalm 1, 1 through 3 gives us this, and I'll be done. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate both day and night. And listen, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, immovable, that bringeth forth what? His fruit in his season. That's how, you bring, that's how you become fruitful. That's how, is, is you fill your mind with scripture. You fill your mind with things of God. And it says, his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. And so hopefully we can get some assurance, and we can get some power in the, in, in the spirit in our lives by that submission uh, to his control. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day again, for your many blessings. I ask that you bless the service to come. Uh, bless this lesson, Lord. I, I, I ask that it would, it would help and, and encourage and exhort uh, to good works, that you might be honored and glorified.